The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, 4 a.m. in Houston, Texas, and here is your top five at five. The dangerous situation in Texas and surrounding states dragging on. Cold weather continues, millions still without power, officials demanding answers for exactly what went wrong. Oil and natural gas in focus. Frozen wells could stay offline for days or even longer, helping energy push stocks higher. Slack force? Why the deal between Salesforce and Slack hitting a snag in D.C.? President Biden taking his COVID spending bill pitch on the road and tackling vaccination and school reopening goals in a town hall event. And when exactly will we all hit the road again? The CEO of Trivago is here with what's being booked right now. It is Wednesday, February 17th, and this is Worldwide Exchange, right here on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. So much to do, including the very latest on that deep freeze in Texas and other parts of the Midwest. But right now, a quick check on the markets and your money. Futures are flat to slightly lower. It was a mixed trade yesterday. The Dow... Higher again, the S&P 500 just a bit lower. Oil and gas, again, one of the big stories. The deep freeze has many wells shut down in Texas. Simply too cold to pump oil or natural gas out of many of them. And oil is above 60 bucks a barrel right now. About 3 million barrels per day of production estimated to currently be offline. And Citigroup, out with a note last night saying that could last for a few days or even longer and possibly have longer term implications. Similar situation with natural gas. Prices around 3 bucks on the open market, as you can see. But there were trades done yesterday in the hundreds of dollars. And even one deal in Oklahoma at 999 bucks as desperate buyers paying anything they could or needed to to fulfill supply contracts. Now, that move in the commodities helping stocks. The XLE energy ETF surging 2.5%. Many stocks up more than that. The ETF is now up more than 26% in just the last 90 days. And also yesterday, we found out that Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway's secret stock purchase, the one we all waited to hear, it was finally revealed. And indeed, it was the big oil company, Chevron. All right, let's go now around the world. It was a mixed day in Asia overnight. Chairs in Japan and South Korea ending lower, while the Hong Kong Hang Seng climbing more than 1%. The markets on the mainland of China They are closed for the Lunar New Year holiday for the week. Let's also take a look at the early trade in Europe. Markets there are mostly lower. Their vaccination rollout is almost non-existent. The major countries in Europe outside the UK at one-third or even less than our vaccination rate here. All right, back now to that dangerous situation in Texas and surrounding states. At least 15 people have died Millions more still facing power outages for a third straight day. 
All this as historically cold weather putting pressure on the region's energy infrastructure. The breakdown in the nation's energy capital has sparked growing outrage and demand for answers. Texas's Governor Greg Abbott calling for an investigation into the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, known as ERCOT, and what caused the failure in the state's power supplies. While ERCOT officials yesterday said some power had been restored, they warned those gains were still fragile and more outages were possible. As of right now, about 2.9 million are without power and often heat in the Lone Star State. For more on when the weather may improve in the region, let's bring in NBC meteorologist Bill Karen's Bill, a little warmer than this time yesterday, but still very cold, very dangerous. Yeah, especially when some people are on, you know, hour 48 of no heat and no power in their homes. Temperatures in many people's homes they're reporting are in the 30s right now. Uh, and they got their kids. Their kids are scared. I've heard about water breaks, and they're saying there's no water right now in portions of Galveston Island. Uh, there's an ice storm ongoing. They're telling people to stay off the roads from Austin to San Antonio. Um, storm number two has just begun, and then it's going to get cold again. It won't be until Saturday or Sunday that we really start to warm things up. So looking at the current weather map, this pink is all freezing rain all the way down outside of Corpus Christi. So it's one thing to have one storm, then record cold, but now we're just getting like a punishing storm on top of that today. We have snow from Dallas to Shreveport this morning, snow now heading towards Little Rock and Memphis later on today, and even Alexandria, Louisiana is about to get more ice. So this storm is 122 million people impacted all the way from Texas up to Boston. That's who's going to get impacted in the next three days. The snow swath goes about 1,600 miles from Dallas to Boston over the next couple of days. And unfortunately, just like the last one, Brian, another ice storm, and especially that ice this morning in Texas, you know, people have to stay off the roads. They do not have the salt, the plows, the sand to get rid of it. Yeah, th- this is not the news they needed. And also a lot of the homes and even buildings there, Bill, are not meant for extreme cold. They don't use the kind of just insulation and the building construction materials and methods that many in colder climates do. Is there any sign of not warm, but warmer weather (laughs) on the forecast the next couple of days? Um, well, so today, as we go throughout the storm, it's very cold, well below average. Thursday is still very cold behind the storm. Friday, I have temperatures getting into the 30s, maybe the 40s in South Texas. It's not until Saturday and Sunday, Brian, that we see temperatures returning to the 50s. So you think about people in their homes, if they don't get the power on, I mean, they're talking of almost four or five days in a row of just, you know, temperatures you don't want to live in. Yeah, and I know many people have been pinging me saying they're in their cars to run the heat. They get warm, they go back in the house, they try to bundle up, but a lot of the gas stations are closed because, of course, without power, you can't pump gas, so they're even conserving gasoline in their own cars. Scary situation. Bill, we appreciate you bringing it to us, and I'm sure we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, tough situation down in Texas. All right, now to three big money stories to begin your day. Story number one. The Department of Justice asking Salesforce for more information on its $27 billion bid to buy Slack. The company's revealing the second request yesterday. Salesforce saying despite the move, it still expects the deal to close by the end of July. The merger would unite two companies, both looking to take on Microsoft and its Teams app. Story two, Apple scoring a victory in North Dakota of all places. And America, really, after lawmakers there voted down a bill requiring app stores to enable software developers to use their own payment processing software and avoid certain fees. 
legislation was the first major bill anywhere in America addressing Apple and Google's app stores. The win, though, may be short-lived. Other states are currently debating similar legislation targeting Apple's commercial power. And stock three, JetBlue, announcing it's getting rid of ticket change fees for most of its fares. But, of course, there is a catch. JetBlue also announcing its basic economy flyers will be prohibited from using overhead bin space for carry-on bags. It's a similar policy United Airlines introduced back in 2017. You can bring a bag on. It's just got to be small enough to put under the seat in front of you. Now, President Biden's COVID relief efforts heading to America's heartland as he tries to drum up support there for the nearly $2 trillion spending package. Tracy Potts has more from Washington. Good morning, Tracy. Brian, good morning. Good morning, everyone. The president in Wisconsin last night talking about reopening schools full time, not part time and talking about a faster rollout for vaccines, promising that everyone who wants that shot should be able to get one by June. At a town hall in Wisconsin last night, President Biden predicted the pandemic will ease by the end of this year. By next Christmas, I think we'll be in a very different circumstance, God willing, than we are today. Get the kids back to school. Biden telling America opening classrooms means teachers need shots. Teachers and the folks who work in the school, the cafeteria workers and other, should be on the list of preferred to get a vaccination. The president pushing his $1.9 trillion relief plan. Now's the time we should be spending. Now's the time to go big. But a push to increase the minimum wage could slow things down. Republican Mitt Romney tweeting that he's introducing a bill to raise pay to protect American workers. Democrats say they're ready to pass COVID relief without one Republican vote. That's their decision and they'll have to be accountable for that. The Biden administration is upping the ante on vaccines, doubling shipments since inauguration day to 13.5 million doses a week after governors complained about the rollout. And Democrats laying out their agenda, looking ahead past COVID relief, saying in the next month they want to take action on voting rights and police reform. Brian? Tracy Potts, NDC. Tracy, good to see you. Good day. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we are going back to that big energy story out of Texas or lack of energy. And your morning RBI will break down the real impact all of this is having on the electricity market. You've got to see what has happened in a market that we almost never talk about. Plus, Robert Frank is here to tell us about the tax nightmare that many former commuters are now facing after pivoting to a work from home life. And Battle of the Billionaires, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, jockey, be the world's richest person. Call them the Rocket Men. Very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange rolls on. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Stocks looking to continue to try to build on record highs. Futures right now indicating that's maybe not likely to happen, but we're flat. I mean, we're in the red down a point. We're going to call that flat. Why not? We all need that. But your next guest says there is a growing disconnect between the positive expectations in the market and consumer sentiment about the road ahead that could impact the markets. Chuck Self is the chief investment officer at iSectors. And he joins us now. Chuck's good to see you again. A good early morning. What do you mean? What kind of disconnect do you think we have or are you seeing? Well, we have seen a report uh, by Bank America about the overwhelming bullishness of uh, market participants, uh, especially uh, as we've seen the cyclical stocks do very well here. And also, um, everyone believes that interest rates are going up. Well, they have gone up, but they still believe they're going to go up further. At the same time, Consumer sentiment, at, uh, when you look at the University of Michigan release last week, was that six months lows. And so we have the possibility that the market has been over exuberant and uh, for, for what's really going to happen because consumers, 70% of the economy, if they don't spend uh, money, even the money they get from the government, uh, the, the, we could have disappointing earnings numbers later in the year. And what do you think that does to equities or do you think that, that Fed put – fiscal policy, monetary policy, all the stuff we talk about, Chuck, ultimately is going to keep the markets humming no matter how some of the numbers come in. And that is certainly the market's expectations. And, and that's why the market has uh, been up uh, so much over the past, past year. And uh, all we're saying is that the risk for negative returns, which is uh, what we really focus on, is at uh, high levels. And uh, market participants uh, really need to make sure that uh, they have uh, the proper risk for their portfolios in case the market drops 10, 20 percent uh, here this spring. Where are you still seeing value, Chuck? Well, uh, the healthcare area has uh, really come to uh, forward in our uh, I sectors quantitative uh, models. Uh, as you know, uh, healthcare was uh, very much undervalued in the past year year or so uh, because of the concern that the uh, Democratic uh, blue sweep would uh, hurt. You know, there's concern about Medicare for all, uh, prescription uh, drug price problems, and, and the tax situation getting worse for drug companies. But these things are, doesn't seem to be um, a focus of the administration or Congress right now. And at the same time, uh, we, we're going to get through this pandemic and there's going to be a, a big increase in the use of uh, the, the regular drug prices and uh, drug um, um, yeah. facility and surgery. So, so, um, and then of course the country is getting older. All the secular stuff that that everyone knows. So, we think there's going to be a rebound in uh, healthcare uh, stocks relative to the market uh, in the next six months. Yeah, that, that, listen, that is a great and important point. Obviously, all the focus right now is on COVID, but. This is our fourth or fifth pandemic in 125 years. We've gotten through them. They're painful. There is another side, and we might go back to focusing on 
all the uh, the boring old healthcare stuff that we talked about in the past. Chuck Self, iSectors Chuff, a pleasure to talk with you again. Have a great day. Thank you very Brian. much. Thank you. All right. Still on deck, Warren Buffett revealing his latest big money moves with a slew of big changes. We're going to lay out what is in and what is out in Omaha. And of course, this month is Black History Month. And all month, we are honoring some of our CNBC contributors and friends. And here's my friend, Lee McCroft, sharing how to silence your doubts and believe in yourself. always believe you have the right to be in the room. I think that is one of the biggest hurdles that you have to get over. Silence that voice in your head that says, you're a diversity pick, you don't belong. Always know in your heart that you make that room better, that your views, your talent is important to getting the best outcomes for any organization that you're a part of. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It is time now for our daily vaccination update. Of course, there's a lot of noise out there. So let's check the actual, you know, numbers and see how the rollout is really going. So here are the facts from the CDC. Overall, 71.5 million doses have been delivered. 55.2 million had been administered, with about 40 million people in America receiving at least one shot. What that means is about 15.5% of American adults, adults have received at least one shot. And here's some more good news. U.S. hospitalizations related to COVID are down 48% from their peak of just a few weeks ago. Let's hope that trend continues down, down, down. Well, meantime, as the vaccine distribution ramps up around the world, the travel booking industry is looking at a timeline for recovery. And consumers are looking to capitalize on deals from airlines and hotels. Joining us now for a look at the latest global travel booking trends is Axel Heifer. He is CEO of Travago. Axel, great to have you on again. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, the European vaccination rollout is going at about one-third the pace of ours. Have you noticed any trends between more vaccinations and more willingness to book travel, or is it still very slow right now? It is overall still very slow. Um, that is correct. But what we have seen that countries that are much further ahead, like Israel, have seen um, a significant increase in travel. And we believe that once the, the, the programs will reach a certain point and there will be more certainty when it will be safe to travel, uh, we will see a return of the bookings. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was at the airport a couple of days ago, Axel, and I'd flown a few times. I noticed there was a lot of Older folks flying, and I presume they had been vaccinated. One woman actually told me she had been. I thought, I wonder if there's this concept of vaccination tourism, that once you're vaccinated, you are eager to get out, that, that this could roll up fairly quickly. What do you think? I, I think it's very clear that, um, that, that everybody's eager to travel and everybody's eager to 
to do something and break up, break out of the daily routine. Um, so whenever it's possible, um, and that's also what all the research shows, people will want to travel, see friends and family and experience something. It's all, it's all a matter of time. Yeah, it's amazing here in the States. You know, we always talk about you've heard the U.S. is more divided than ever, Axel. We always think of it politically. Actually, as someone who's traveled a lot, it's sort of the open versus closed. About half the country is kind of going about their business with masks on, but life is semi-normal. And then the Northeast, Chicago and California seem to be very, very different. It's, it's a little bit disconcerting. What kind of trends are you seeing here in the United States? I mean, the, in, in the United States, there there is more traveling going on, as you rightly say, than, than in Europe, because it's much more divided. Um, but it is predominantly uh, domestic. Um, and um, I, I would expect, similar um, to what we see in last year, that there will be predominantly domestic travel going on in the summer, with the situation improving across the country, with some traveling to, um, to nearby countries, and they're predominantly Mexico. Oh, so we are seeing a fairly big uptake in travel from here to Mexico, because I've heard anecdotally that flights to places like Cabo San Lucas and Cancun and hotels are, are in some cases, sold out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, um, I, I, I don't think that that's a surprise. Um, again, I mean, if you look at last summer and take that as, as, a, as a proxy for what we will experience in the next couple of months, the nearby destinations were were fully booked in in a lot of countries in the U.S., but also in continental Europe, um, and um, and the the trips to to intercontinental destinations or longer air travels um, were were still available, but uh, some of them you couldn't reach, and and some of them um, travelers didn't want to reach. So there was a, a very significant imbalance seen? to what yeah, what you've normally seen. Have you seen any uptake in maybe long dated bookings, people booking for, say, uh, September or the Christmas holidays or New Year's? Yeah, I mean, we, we, um, we, we've heard about some of these bookings from, from industry participants. I mean, our, our platform tends to be a bit shorter in the booking windows. Um, so it's a bit too early for us to see that. Um, and I think overall, um, the, the bookings will be a bit more short notice and, and travelers will want to see a bit more certainty about the, the regulations. Um, so, so how easy will it be to get to the destination? And then even more importantly, what will be the consequences of coming back? And there, um, in particular in Europe, there has been a lot of back and forth and a lot of short-term imposition of new restriction and quarantine requirements that uh, make travelers a bit more cautious and, and booking a bit more short-term. You know, that's a great point, Axel. It might not just be about the pandemic, but about the rules. Are you going to be allowed to travel to where you might want to go? We really appreciate the update. An important story on a, a massive part of the global economy. Axel Heffer of Trivago. Appreciate it, Axel. Best to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, still on deck. How could America's energy capital run out of energy? Officials demanding answers. The latest from the still dangerous situation in Texas. And a reminder, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you miss the show any day, you can listen to it either on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange is the name. Check it out today. We're back after this.
Deep freeze. Texas continues to face major power outages, and now parts of the South are bracing for another major winter storm. Warren Buffett's big bets will tell you what Berkshire Hathaway bought and sold in the latest quarter. And a commuter's worst nightmare. No, it is not traffic. We're talking the other T, taxes. Why the work-from-home trend could be causing major issues for many of you, and you don't even know it. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome or welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Brian Sullivan, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday here. So the markets and your money look right now. Stock futures are not giving you a lot of help as to which way this market wants to go. Kind of like yesterday, we started strong, kind of tapered off toward the end of the day, ended with a mixed trade. And that's the effect of what we got now. The S&P 500 futures, we'll call them flat. Let's get a check now, of course, on the cryptos because Bitcoin hit 50,000 yesterday. Bitcoin right now is a... 51,609. The institutional buyer continues to come in. Bitcoin remains hot. You got Ether on the Coinbase exchange at 18,160. Who's got their Bitcoin 60,000 hat sitting around? All right. Oil and gas also. Some of the big news items this morning. That deep freeze in Texas, along with Louisiana, Oklahoma, and other parts of the Midwest, playing havoc with parts of the fossil fuel market. Oil back above 60. About 3 million barrels per day of oil production is estimated to currently be offline. It is often simply too cold to get the oil out of the ground or to where it needs to go. Same situation with large parts of natural gas. Of course, often a byproduct of oil pumping. But yesterday was a nice moneymaker for many oil and gas shareholders. The XLE ETF up 2.5%. Many stocks in that ETF up much more than that. And by the way, that ETF up more than 26% in just the last 90 days. And we also found out yesterday that Berkshire Hathaway's so-called secret stock purchase was Chevron. More on Warren Buffett, actually, right now. And let's stick with that. Berkshire Hathaway disclosing not only Chevron, but a number of big stock moves in its latest quarter and its quarterly filing. Here you go. Got your pens or pencils or Apple Notes ready? Here's what the moves were. That new stake... It was in Chevron, but not only Chevron, a new position in Verizon also announced. Apparently, they like the mobile phone industry because they more than doubled their position in T-Mobile U.S. Berkshire actually trimmed its Apple holding by about 6%, cut its Wells Fargo stake again, a big chop, 59% cut on WFC. They continue to unload that stock, and GM... They sold off about 9% of their position there. Berkshire Hathaway increased their purchases in AbbVie, Bristol-Myers, Merck, and not just healthcare, also Kroger, and exited investments in Pfizer and PNC Financial. Meantime, in COVID news, the White House delaying the timeline and when it expects most Americans will have access to a vaccine. Slightly. It is now looking at mid to late May or early April. Dr. Fauci pointing to J&J cutting their initial supply estimates. Of course, the J&J vaccine still needs to be approved, but all in all, those numbers ahead of some of the more dire previous estimates. And a big money story for you this morning. Elon Musk's SpaceX just raised $850 million. That puts the company's valuation at a stunning $74 billion, about 60 percent higher than its valuation only last August. Elon Musk. Wow. 
All right, time now for your morning RBI. It's back. And this one has to do with the big story out of Texas that we and the nation have been following. Millions remain without power and serious problems in the power market. And one of the big problems is a huge spike in the cost of power. Now, you may not realize it, but electricity is bought, sold, and traded every day, just like many other stocks or commodities. And parts of that market have gone absolutely insane last 24 to 36 hours. Look at this trade that happened yesterday. There was an ERCOT trade. That is the the platform, of course, in Texas. That was done for $8,750 per, we'll call it, a unit. Now, put that in perspective. Traders tell me around February when it's cold, the normal price will be about $70. So put that into perspective. Somebody bought a chunk of electricity at about 12,000 times the normal trading price. Why would anyone do that? Probably because they had to. Remember, a lot of this is contractual obligations. Just like GameStop and a short squeeze, if you have got to buy something and the price goes up, you will buy it at any price. And while many of you outside of Texas may not care, if you live in Texas, you might have to. Because if you use one of those you pay what we pay type energy distributors that have been popping up, you may be paying thousands of percent more to heat your home for part of this month. In fact, it's gotten so bad that companies like Gritty are effectively begging customers to leave their company and find another power distributor. Well, good luck being able to do that in this market because begging companies to leave because of sky-high prices may be coming and, in fact, is already here. Now, that is random, but interesting. All right, let's talk more now about what is going on in Texas and what the ultimate fallout might be. Morris Greenberg is Senior Manager, North American Power Analytics at S&P Global Platts. Morris, glad to have you on. I showed that trade, by the way. There were others that were done around that price range. I heard rumors of higher, but I could not confirm it. What the heck is going on in the power market? Well, really, it's um, a question of the uh, severity of the cold weather conditions, which have caused um, numerous power plant outages uh, beginning uh, early Monday morning and uh, really right through uh, to this morning. A significant amount of capacity remains offline. Yeah, and of course, the blame game is going around and some people are saying, well, look, the turbines are frozen. The reality, as all the data starts to come out, is that It looks like, unfortunately, Texas just didn't plan well for the cold. And apparently some of the meteorological, the weather estimates were so far off that there was no ramp up to prepare for this kind of demand, demand far above the highest estimates by some cases two and three fold. And a lot of wells are simply frozen shut. It's really just the entire infrastructure got caught off guard. Did it not, Morris? Yes. And... The reason is that uh, the conditions are so unusual um, that the uh, system really wasn't designed to withstand them. And um, that can change. Uh, There will have to be investments uh, made to um, weatherize the the facilities and uh, prevent this from happening again in the future. And I believe that uh, the Texas legislature will be addressing that issue. Uh, along with an investigation of exactly what happened this week. 
What kind of legislative remedy for the future do you think might there be, Morris? Because I showed our audience yesterday that in, in 1990, kind of a similar thing happened, and they were screaming about changes, and that was 30 years ago. It would probably be um, in the form of uh, more stringent regulation on power plant preparedness for extreme weather conditions. Uh, the system transmission system operator, ERCOT, uh, answers to the Texas Public Utility Commission, and that uh, Public Utility Commission, of course, is accountable to the legislature. Uh, so the uh, Texas PUC would then get involved in uh, framing these new rules, and ERCOT would have to decide about um, how to implement them. A lot of criticism has been labeled to the fact that uh, ERCOT, which is, despite the unwieldy name, is its own power grid. Texas, the only state that really has its own power grid infrastructure on a very... I've learned how complicated this market is the last 24 hours. So if I say something wrong, Morris, you'll forgive me. Um, no. And people say, well, there you go. You know, they, they really can't buy power from other states like pretty much every other state can or these other grids can. Do you think ultimately ERCOT will, will sort of surrender its position as the, the lone wolf in the Lone Star State? I think that's fairly unlikely. Um, I think that the Texas uh, likes to be uh, independent of the federal regulation. And um, even if the uh, capacity to import more energy uh, had been available to them, uh, the markets in neighboring regions have also been affected by these cold conditions and are also very tight. Yeah, a lot of blame being placed on just the entire system there, but the weather playing havoc, lack of preparedness. You got natural gas wells frozen. Everybody got caught off guard, and we're just hoping whatever, whatever the ultimate solution is, they get the power on ASAP because people are literally freezing in Texas. Morris Greenberg, we appreciate your views. Important story. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, coming up, call it the plan to save daycare. How to get many closed child care centers open and their parents back to work. But as we head to break, a few other big headlines happening right now. Number one, President Biden scheduled to meet with labor union leaders today. They're expected to talk about infrastructure, spending, and alternative energy. Two, Nestle selling its North American water brands, including Pure Life, for more than $4 billion. Company shifting its focus to premium lines, including Perrier. By the way, Nestle CEO will join us live tomorrow right here on Worldwide Exchange. And three, Jeff Bezos reclaiming his title as the world's richest person, overtaking Elon Musk. The change comes after Tesla shares Sid slid more than 2.5% yesterday. But with this new SpaceX valuation, maybe Musk will take it back tomorrow. What a battle. Dow Futures, they're down four. We're back right after this. Uh, Welcome back. Well, of course, the COVID crisis has created many big challenges for families when it comes to child care, as many daycare centers face the dilemma of whether or not to remain open. Now, Congress stepping in to create a financial lifeline, if you will. Alon Moy joining us now with more on this important story, one specifically important to many parents of young children out there. Alon, you know from which I speak. 
Absolutely, Brian. This story is personal for me as well. And so much of the focus has been on getting the schools back open. A lot of daycare centers and child care providers have actually been operating throughout this pandemic, but they say that has come at a cost. An industry survey found that more than half of them, 56 percent, say they're losing money every single day that they are open. More than 80 percent say they're dealing with lower enrollment. And for a lot of these small businesses, that means they've had to take on debt. 42% said they've had to put supplies on their own personal credit cards. Now, there has been money for the industry in each of the COVID relief bills that have passed. This has been a bipartisan issue previously, but now Democrats are pushing for a new dedicated $24 billion stabilization fund that they say will provide the industry more direct access to the money and more flexibility in how they use it. There's also $15 billion to be delivered through more traditional block grants. Now, the Chamber of Commerce has come out in favor of additional relief for the industry. And this has really become a business issue because they're saying you can't bring your workers back to the office. They don't have any place to put their kids. Brian, there was a recent study by Pew Research that found that 45 percent of parents say that child care responsibilities are the main reason that they're still working from home, even if their offices are open. Back to you. Yeah, you know, it really is amazing, Alon, and, and, and it's such an important topic, but particularly in the Northeast, because, you know, having traveled a, a fairly good, more than most, because nobody's traveling, we forget that like 40% of American students are in school, either full-time or most of the time, around the country. It's kind of a Northeastern and, and California-type situation. Do you think that will impact the, the budget conversation? I mean, when the Southern Republicans are like, what are you talking about? Most of our kids are in school and others are going to look at them like they're crazy. Do you think there's going to be some bipartisan come together when vastly different parts of the country are living vastly different? I think the difficult thing here for a lot of these operators is that even when they're open, they can only open at something like 50 percent enrollment. It's sort of a similar situation that you're seeing the restaurant industry in. So even if there are policies and guidelines that allow them to operate, they still can't do so and turn a profit or make this a reliable business venture than it was before, because these are private businesses, not public institutions. Republicans have proposed $20 billion in relief for uh, child care centers this time around. So that is money that is uh, about half of what the Democrats are proposing. So there is room for negotiation here. It's just a matter of are they willing to do it? Elon Moy, a very important topic for a lot of families and working parents that are watching us right now. Elon, thank you very much. All right, now to another maybe less well-known issue that has been created by the pandemic and lockdowns, and one you may only be finding about the hard way as tax time approaches. All you workers out there that used to commute from another state to their job, you know, like New Jersey or Connecticut to New York, are facing a tax nightmare since you've actually been working from home, your home state, for months. Robert Frank joining us now with more on this. Robert, uh, asking for a friend, what exactly is going to happen? <laughs> Well, look, it is tax season, Brian. Accountants say the number one question they're getting asked this year is how to deal with working from home in 2020 when your work or your home changed. And that was a lot of people. Now, the first advice here, the first tip on this is count your days. If you lived and worked in a state other than your tax domicile for more than 183 days, you may be subject to income tax in that state, depending on those state rules. And that's why you need to check each state rules 
on COVID relief. Now, most states, they waived any claim to income tax on temporary residents during COVID. But some states like Connecticut, they have not released details. So they may actually claim income tax if you are in that state. Lastly, make sure you document any move. If you left New York for Florida, for instance, and you want to avoid those New York taxes, you have to show proof of when you intended to move, not just, well, I started moving for COVID, but then I decided to move later. Now, there are billions at stake here for states. New Hampshire, of course, is suing Massachusetts, which continues to tax New Hampshire residents who used to commute, that case now before the Supreme Court. Over 400,000 people commuted to New York from New Jersey before COVID. S&P estimates New York will take in more than a billion dollars in tax revenue from New Jersey residents and more than $400 million from Connecticut residents who haven't set foot in New York since March. They say that's not fair. And Brian, that's why we had this case before the Supreme Court. All right. Well, COVID will end and taxes will go on. So when COVID's over and everyone says we're still going to be working from home, how is that going to be taxed? Yeah, look, the tax law did not imagine a future where people would permanently or at least long term work remotely from their office. So right now, if you report to Google in New York, but you live in North Carolina and decide to work remotely for years, New York is still going to tax you every single day for that work. New Hampshire and other states, including New Jersey and Connecticut, saying that's not fair. So there's a lot of money at stake in this Supreme Court case. And technology has just changed the way we think about working remotely. And right now, it's not set up for a long-term remote system. Yeah, it's not, but it's it's going to have to be, and those tax changes will come. And, of course, a lot of people are moving to where, I think, Robert, rich people go where taxes are low. That's a rhyme. I, even, I, I sounded like Joe. I like that. Robert, thank you. I like you. that. Could be I a just, song. I just, Kernan, if you're listening, you can use that. Rich people go where taxes are low. Coming up. I know. Let's get me off TV. Is bigger always better? We'll talk stimulus and the impact on your money and, by the way, the national debt. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our new podcast. It's called, believe it or not, Worldwide Exchange. Every day it's out in audio form. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms where they may lie. We're going to be right back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning. Futures right now are not giving us a lot of help about which way this market wants to go. You can see they're flat to maybe slightly down. I'm not going to call that down a couple of points. Who knows which way this thing is going to go? The Dow, either way, hit a new record high. You care about the markets, not the futures. The markets hit a new record high yesterday vis-a-vis the Dow, S&P, down a bit. Well, your next guest says he is considering telling clients to remain in pockets of value, as he calls them when navigating this market. Sean Snyder is the head of investment strategy at City Personal Wealth Management. And Sean, welcome back. I guess the question is, Thank you. with the kind of run we've had lately, are there still any pockets of value out there? You know, I think there are. And I think you have to look a little bit harder. Um, but it's really telling to me that, you know, if you look at the top five stocks in the S&P 500, you've had a really tremendous run, maybe 250 percent or so on average since maybe 2018. But if you look at the other 495, um, you're looking at returns that are probably half that. 
So the, t the headline indices don't always tell you the full story about what's going on. And I also would say that, you know, there's many unloved sectors that are still out there. And I actually think financials are one of those. Um, you know, we focus a lot on the mega cap names, and the high flying technology and some of these retail names. Um, but financials have actually been the market leader over the past six months uh, with a return of almost 30 percent. They've actually beat the technology sector over the last six months. So there are pockets of value out there. Um, when you compare to these large, huge uh, mega cap names. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're not sexy, but, you know, oil and banks have been the it's like it's like a it's like the original game of Monopoly, right? Oil and <laughs> I don't, railroads and radio companies, but oil right. and banks have been the big money makers the last three to six, six months. Do you expect obviously it sounds like you like the financials. Do you expect energy to continue its run? Sure. So you mentioned energy and financials. I think that's interesting because those two sectors have the highest positive correlation to rising yields. So if we do think that there's some modest inflation um, risks building in the pipeline, then those are two sectors that you may want exposure to. Um, and I think the rally that you're seeing in those two sectors are, are probably um, you know, sort of tied to this rise in yields, particularly financials. Energy, of course, has other things going on. You know, you hear about the Permian base being uh, reduced production right now due to the freeze in the South. So there's other, you know, idiosyncratic things that were there, but um, they are quite correlated with what's happening in yields. Yeah, in fact, uh, Citigroup, your ultimate parent company, their commodity head, Ed Morse, had a note last night that basically said there could be longer term implications of these wellheads being frozen and what's happening. And everybody is tripping over themselves to raise their their oil forecast in terms of pricing. Right. Do you think on a macro level, though, Sean, you know, listen, the pandemic will end. Uh, life will return to whatever we want to call normal, whether it might look slightly different in the near term. Will rates ultimately rise again? Maybe not this year. And if they do or when they do, how do we start prepping for it now? So I think rate, there is a chance that rates will continue to rise. Um, I'm not exactly sure when that rise Stops. So some of this is pricing in inflation expectations. Um, and if you think about what's about to happen with inflation, some of it um, is tied to an increase in raw material prices and energy. Uh, a lot of it is what's tied, what we call base effects. So you're comparing this year's data with last year's data. And when you get to March and April, you're going to be comparing against a time frame uh, when the economy was in lockdown and, and sort of in free fall. So you're going to see higher inflation prints. And I do think the market may be sensitive to that in the months ahead, um, particularly when they consider what is the Federal Reserve going to do in the future um, if the pandemic does end and the economy is recovering faster than they anticipate. Um, so I think there's a chance that yields continue to be higher. Yeah, very quickly, are your clients asked if the work from home trade is over? Uh, no, I actually haven't heard much about that, to be honest. You know, I do think, you know, there's going to be some expectation that how much how many goods do you need? Right. So I think we'll see a rotation away from this demand for goods, um, you know, exercise bikes, uh, you know, streaming services and stuff and maybe move, move more towards the services sector of the economy. So that's what we're really kind of preparing our clients for. And um, eventually there's going to be huge demand um, for leisure yeah. and hospitality when this comes to an end. So we're preparing that way. I could not agree with you more. Maybe from from streaming and, and Peloton to uh, travel and hotels and, and pools. It sounds pretty good. Sean Snyder, City Private Wealth. Sean, a pleasure to have you back on. Good to see you. Have a great day.
We will get out there again, folks, certainly. All right, well, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box, the gang, will pick up the coverage. We will see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.